Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Cattle Station Classroom Podcast where we learn about the North Australian beef industry and answer your questions. So, it doesn't matter how far from town you are, because we're bringing the classroom to you. Welcome to the Cattle Station Classroom Podcast. In today's lesson, we are going to be learning about livestock agents in the northern pastoral industry. To do this, I'll be joined by Andrew Stewart, who is the Principal Livestock Agent for Northern Rural Suppliers in Broome, Western Australia. Andrew has 30 years experience as a livestock and real estate agent, 20 of those working in the Kimberley region. Stewie, most of us kind of know the basics of what a livestock agent does, which is buy and sell livestock. That bit's pretty obvious, but there's a fair bit more to it. And that's why I wanted to do this episode with you. So to start, can you elaborate on what a livestock agent actually does? A lot of people ask that very question. Um, look, I suppose what we mainly do is try and try and introduce buyer to uh, to the seller, really. So our job is to try and get the best price at any given time. It's also about making sure that we're selling the cattle to the right location um, to ma- maximise the uh, the result for, for the vendor because we work for the vendor first and foremost. So it's just a question of you've got something to sell, we introduce you to a buyer or sometimes a lot of the time we actually do the buying on behalf of um, the purchaser because quite often they can't get here or if it's a live exporter, sometimes they can't get across or they're doing other stuff. So a lot of the time we purchase cattle on their behalf and likewise with Meatworks cattle or store cattle. So what we try and do is, yeah, just connect one, um, the, the processor, uh, processor slash you know, background uh, uh, exporter to the um, to the producer. Okay, so let's go through some examples so you can walk me through like the steps of the job. Um, okay, let's say it's very early dry season in the Kimberley. So, do people approach you to sell cattle, or do you have to wait until somebody wants to buy them first? Like, who makes the first move? What if I know you just said you work for the vendor, which is the seller, but what if? let's say um, an exporter comes to you and says, I need this, this and this, and nobody's actually put their hand up to you yet and said, oh, we want to sell. How does, how does the process play out? Well, well we, no, we try and facilitate it before it gets to that stage. So quite often the years up here, it's, you pretty well know what's going to happen and you know the, the depth of the wet. So like there's a lot of places that we can't get access to because of the wet season with river crossings or dirt roads or whatever. But what we try and do is they know when the seasons, you know, everybody gets a bit of a feel if it's been a good wet or a lean wet. If it's been a lean wet, we generally get cranking as soon as possible. So 
I've actually contracted cattle on, um, you know, between Christmas and New Year on the basis that, you know, there was no rain really leading up and it was going to be lean as well. So we we go to exporters because, let's face it, that's that's the majority. Our Meatworks cattle don't generally run until a little bit later on once people get rid of first-round cattle. So we um, hunt around, get on the phone, speak to vendors, find out what, what they've got and what they can get access to. A lot of it we sort of we preempt anyhow and then we go to all the exporters and we make sure we cover off on all of them um, and, and then we, we quote the cattle so much so that uh, and then that starts every, the process. So it starts the what size boat's needed, uh, what what client from the uh, from the exporter like they've obviously got their own clients at the top end whether it be in Vietnam Malaysia or Indonesia uh, and then we start trying to facilitate putting things together on numbers of bulls steers heifers the weights the condition and more importantly that the breed types and then that's how it sort of starts the ball rolling and then everybody will submit pricing to us um, there'll be a bit of to and froing and then we go back to the um, the producer and say well this is what we can do and quite often we'll give them a list of well this is what you know, exporter A B C is looking at this is the price that they're at and you know and then again it's generally up to the um, well, it's always up to the producer to decide which way they want to go. And you guys also, so it's not just a lot of this stuff over the phone, you guys also do a fair bit of work on the ground in terms of coming out and assessing cattle and drafting them. So how does that process work? When do you actually head out to to watch animals be drafted and kind of give your opinion on them? Oh, it's it's generally it's, it's teed up before that, but quite often we'll do paddock inspections. So we'll go around, get some uh, photos, videos, whatever whatever's needed with regards to, you know, putting the whole story together for, for, for the buyer. Um, so that's sort of phase one. A lot of the time we obviously know what type or what um, breed of cattle we're dealing with, but quite often the key is to see the condition um, and then obviously geared by what the producer says on how they look and whatnot, but generally we'd like to try and look at them first. So we'd do that, and then once once everything's been um, signed, sealed um, in the form of a contracts drawn up between the producer, ourselves, and uh, and, and the, um, the the live exporter, uh, we, we put all that together. Contracts are signed, and then we will um, quite often then there'll, there'll be a delivery date and a delivery location, and then it goes from there. So we'll generally try and get cattle together you know four or five days prior to the ship coming in so it's all about dates for us so we work on dates and we work it all back from there we organize um then um you know the trucks we book them in at the yards and all that sort of stuff but then we'll come out and we'll do the physical draft when sometimes we'll have a uh, one of the uh, exporters with us sometimes we won't but if they're not there with us then we facilitate on behalf of both parties um, yeah, and that's when it starts, mate. So we'll, we'll draft, put them into weight categories, type categories, um, and select them on station and, and um, organise and then get them into town where ownership generally changes over at the point of the weigh bridge. So cattle get dipped and weighed off trucks. Um, sometimes we'll need to draft in town because of facilities out on station or we couldn't do what we needed to do or whatever. And then the ownership on behalf of the vendor changes at the uh, at the waypoint. 
Okay. And this might sound like a really basic question, but I don't want to leave any stone unturned. So once the cattle have been drafted and you've got all your dates locked in, who is responsible for booking the trucks and ensuring the cattle get loaded into the other end? Is that the vendor or the buyer or do you guys book the trucks? Like who's actually calling RTA and, and getting those trucks out there? Well, look, it's it's generally always the, the vendor, mate. We've I've survived up here for as long as I have by trying not to get involved with trucking. Um, it's a, it's generally a sticky one. A lot, a lot of the vendors know who they use and all the rest of it. So what we do is we work out between us uh, who's, you know, how many is needed and all that sort of stuff. And we would generally leave it, unless we're asked to, we would generally leave it to the vendor to organise or arrange the trucking. Um, but uh, we will certainly book book the cattle into the yards um, and then run our normal tally sheet because we work to tons of cattle or to, or to a number um, and that's we sort of help coordinate that with, with the purchaser. Okay, now let's talk money. How does all of that work? Um, well, the, the money side, that's probably the, one of the biggest things that we as agents do. We, we facilitate, obviously, the transaction, but we guarantee the payment to the vendor. Um, so we have arrangements in place with, um, with live exporters and processors and even store buyers. Well, we, we won't sell cattle to anybody unless they've got a facility with us. A facility means that they're, you know, a nominated credit, credit amount um, but the one thing we do do that we guarantee from from the point of when, once the contract is signed, we guarantee the vendor uh, that they will get paid in the normal terms and conditions of of the transaction. So it's generally seven to t- seven to ten days uh, from delivery date, um, and we facilitate um, the, the money uh, into the client's account from there. Okay, so say everything goes right. So I'm selling some cattle to Bob. Um, so does Bob pay you and then you pay me or does it ever go Bob pays me directly? Does it always go through the agent? Always goes through us. So sometimes Bob is a naughty boy and doesn't pay us for two to three weeks. Um, that doesn't matter. Um, that's our issue. And But the vendor gets paid uh, via us, so again, that gives the comfort to the people that are sending the cattle in. That um, yeah, that they guaranteed that payment. So we we then have to pursue Bob for uh, who might have, as I said, been naughty and snuck outside of terms. Terms are they've generally got a um, you know fourteen to twenty one day account with us or whatever. Um, but obviously, we make sure that the vendor gets paid um, to the to to the note. Um, obviously, sometimes there's glitches on whatever happens and, and whatnot. But the general rule of thumb, ninety eight ninety nine percent of the time, is the vendor gets paid uh, within that period of time. Okay, so I'm just thinking. We've obviously been talking about examples relative to the Kimberley and the pastoral industry. But say I'm down south on a small farm and. I've got a hundred head and I see Bob at the pub and he goes, yeah, I'll buy that hundred head off you. So rather than selling directly to Bob, I suppose you'd say it's, it's a bit, there's a bit of insurance or it's a bit safer to go through an agent because you've got that guarantee of payment with that, with having the agent there. Is that right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But because we're dealing such big numbers up here, it, it is a, a good peace of mind for people. I mean, not only we hope that we, we, the little positive that we guarantee payment, but it's obviously, it's, it's, sourcing the best money possible at any given time 
it's you know looking at a line of cattle and and, and putting them in as many line to maximise the, the result. But you look on, on it does happen absolutely that um, purchaser and um, and producer can can facilitate deals together. But again, then the the uh, producer must uh, have a lot of faith in who they're dealing with at the other end to make sure that payments come through. So tell me about the working conditions of this job. What does an average day look like for you? Um, look, we, we, we do, contrary to belief, we, uh, we, we work uh, reasonably ridiculous hours at times. Like we, we try and... Um, try and put as much in a day as we possibly can. But when we're buying for a boat, it's just ongoing. So it's – and because the boats, when I first came up here, um, lots of smaller boats, sort of 12, 14, 1,500 heads. So, you know, they, they're quite, they were quite easy to facilitate. But the boats these days with G-Class series that hold, you know, four to 7,000 head of cattle and there's obviously a few bigger boats floating around. But, you know, we're um, – we're, when the season's on, we're on, and it's just no different to the station life, mate. We, you get up and get going as, as quick as you can, um, and you just you, you arrange your day and, and you try and put as um, many jobs as feasible in, in, in any given day. But we, we like to be pretty well structured. So Todd and myself, um, we have on times had three people. I've had two other blokes working for me, but at the moment it's Todd and I, and we, we try and get up and, um, we you know, we're forever talking to each other, but we try and not cross over each other. So Todd might do the East Kimberleys for that week and I might do the sort of from Fitzroy back this way or whatever. So, yeah, a typical day we'll get up um, if um, from here early, 2, 3 o'clock, get out there. It's always daylight start and you just go as hard as you can and um, facilitate as much as you can in that day. Um Try not to stay on stations at times because it's just easier because we spend most of the time on the phone at night working things out. So, so long as we've got phone range that night, we'll try and get back into central locations to do tallies and whatnot. And again, sometimes, well, most of the time too, we've got we've got buyers with us as well. So, it's about maximising your time, Steph. Really, so that's what we try and do. So it sounds like a pretty busy and full-on job. What kind of skills do you need to be a stock agent? Because it seems you're spending just as much time with people as you are with cattle. What do you need to be a stock agent? Yeah. Um, a thick hide. Um, you generally uh, walk the light fantastic a lot of the time. But, um, look, you just need to be, um, I think more than anything, you need to be eager you know, like we, you do, you do work hard, um, but you know, then we're like, we're fortunate enough that we've got a thing called a wet season, so we sort of take the foot off the the, the, the accelerator a bit. But we also try and facilitate. I've got a few cattle, a lot of cattle that we do from time to time send down south, so that keeps us going over the wet season. But you you just need to be passionate, mate. Like it's you know, and, and love it. Like I've been here. I've got I've got a whole family that that that, that literally were born up here and. and and we, I don't want to really go anywhere else. You know, we, we enjoy the people. There's, you know, you have tough times, you have good times. We've been through live export bans, 350 kilo rules, the last COVID little hiccup and all that sort of stuff. But generally, um, you just need to know, be passionate about pastoralism as such. Like I would struggle, I reckon, to be an agent south of the, the 26 parallel now. I think the people up here are... are uh, a genuine, 
Um, they're hardworking and, um, you know, a, again, I, I think the biggest thing from an agent's point of view is the passion to, to be enjoying what you do. Um, you know, I think with, with regards to what skills do you need, you just need to be probably a people person more than anything. You, you do have to have a fair bit of strategy to, to what you do. You're always trying to think ahead of the curve and, and, and all that sort of stuff to be in front of your opposition at all the time. Um, Qualification-wise, um, look, back over east, you needed to have a stock and station agent or a real estate licence, of which I've got both. Um, these days, you can just have a... Um, uh, it's, it's just generally on the, on the ground sort of stuff, but especially with my real estate, you know, there's real estate licence is, is hard to get now and hard to keep. You've got to have professional points each year, which you've got to go to Perth and get. So there's that side of it. But but as for the cattle side of it or the agency side of it, you do have to be registered over in the eastern states now to be a, um, you know, a livestock agent as such. Western Australia hasn't quite sort of got there yet. But, again, currently looking for someone to, to join the fold of uh, Northern Rural. So if uh, anybody out there is keen, young, I'd, I'd look at putting somebody on because, Again, our biggest problem we have as, you know, pastoral um, houses as such um, is, or as agency is trying to find good young people that, that want to be up here and want to do what we do. Um, it's probably the reason why, why we've been here for so long is because there hasn't been a whole lot of um, people here trying to, to, to facilitate business. I mean, they're, they're starting to get a few more about these days, but it's very, very difficult to get people with the skill set that, you know, being an agent in the southern country as opposed to being one in pastoral is uh, chalk and cheese really. So, Interesting. Okay. So basically people need to have passion, enthusiasm, um, be people be a people person. Um, so, you know, obviously there's this, a lot of what you do is based on relationships. Um, but then, as you said, it's, it seems like, a, I just, I think this job seems like a logistical nightmare. So hats off to you for, for making it work. And then you've got um, strategy and prioritizing and, and all sorts of things like that. And I suppose, like you said, there's a lot of paperwork and whatnot involved as well. And then a lot of travel. So it's certainly not one day is like the other, but um, yeah, that's good timing that if anybody's listening and they're keen. <laughs> That is the other thing too that, you know, it's you do have to be strategic, I suppose, but you have to be onto it all, all the time. And, again, like the, the days are just, you know, your, your paperwork is essential. If, if, if a little, there's no such thing as a little stuff up here from our side, it's, it can cost yourself or the vendor a lot of money. So emails, spreadsheets, all that sort of stuff for, for buying purpose instead of doing it on the back of the good old beer coaster like we used to. It's a little bit more technical than that these days. So, yeah, again, it's all of the stuff that you said, Steph, but it's it's more so of um, the big one I keep going back to is, is being passionate because if you're not, um, yeah, your days will be somewhat numbered. So. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, Stewie. No worries, mate. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. 
This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.